This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If Tony LaRusso needed to win a big game, there was one pitcher that he would tap on the shoulder, and it was Jeff Supon. Which I know that sounds crazy. Chris Carpenter won a ton of big games. But if you think about a Game 7 in the NLCS, trip to the World Series on the line, you either win or you're done. And in 2004, it was Jeff Supon. In 2006, it was Jeff Supon. Both times, the Cardinals win in that Game 7, advancing to the World Series. Supon in 2004 paired up against Roger Clemens at Bush State. And what an epic game that was. The Scott Rowland homer. Jim Edmonds had a catch, and Soup is our guest on the Kilcoin Conversation. Funny stories about getting those big starts and eventually asking Tony LaRussa, why did you give me those Game 7 assignments? The epic win at Shea Stadium in 2006, Soup made that start as well. So in a very short window, Jeff Supon in the middle of some huge cardinal moments advancing to the World Series. He's also just a really fun guy to talk to. Was always a little quirky and humorous in his own very dry way. Uh, I think that comes across again in this interview. Currently, he's the president of his son and daughter's Little League Baseball League, and he says the pressure is immense. So some Cardinal stories, life in California, coming to the Cardinals. Uh, what a great time it was when he was here. That was a very good stretch of baseball. Some La Russa interaction beyond using him in Game 7. So Jeff Supon, our guest, I'll get to it. It's lengthy. Hopefully you got time to get through it all because once you get soup, soup going, it's uh, it's hard to stop. He is. Uh, I hadn't talked to him in a long, long time. We would see him when he was on the Brewers, and he would come through town. But that's also a long time ago. So Soup is the guest, the Kilcoin Conversation, coming to you from the Pasta House Studios, 22 locations now throughout Missouri and Illinois. That includes the newest one in Kirkwood, at the corner of Manchester and Woodlawn, right there at the corner. And we encourage everyone this time of year, you're on the run. It's getting so hot, you don't even feel like cooking. Let them do it for you. Pastahouse.com is where you can order online, get those meals for the entire family, everything you need, one click away at pastahouse.com. And as you know, on Sundays, kids eat free. Each kid with an adult, 18 or over, eats for free on Sundays. You can end your weekend by not cooking as well. Also, Marie DeVilla, Senior Living, corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. They've been there since 1960. Premium Senior Living right there in West County. Beautiful campus. Every year they get festive at wintertime with the Christmas tree. If the Blues are in the playoffs, if the Cardinals are in the playoffs, okay, we may go 0 for 23 in that category. But when they do, Fred has always got the fountains out front flowing red or blue. It's just part of the great environment they have there. Villa Estates. Assisted living, all levels of care available. Take a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. Triad Bank, one of our longtime sponsors, located in Frontenac on Clayton Road. Five-star rated bank that started in 2005. Based in St. Louis, now a second location on Olive. That's just west of 270. And if you're a business owner in St. Louis, tired of getting the runaround, talk to the folks that are based right here in St. Louis. Jim Regna, the CEO. He went to Rosary 
There's a good callback. North County guy. He and his partner started the bank almost 20 years ago now. And it's a great St. Louis success story. Triadbanking.com is where you can find out more. Appliance discounters, it's real simple. Biggest names, lowest prices. If you're in the market for a washer, dryer, refrigerator, stove, or an entire kitchen, talk to the folks at Appliance Discounters. There's always great General Electric rebates. I always encourage folks to get in the search engine, just type General Electric, see what deals are available. Because it's Appliance Discounters, you know you're already paying the lowest prices in town. TheAppliancedDiscounters.com. And now the KillCoin Conversation with Jeff Supon. Well, this is a very special KillCoin Conversation. Remember the after-school specials? They'd be like, on oh, no, a very special. But this is fun. This is our guy, Jeff Supon, former Cardinal pitcher, big leaguer, and he's, he's not going to believe me. But I keep a little list of guests I'm trying to run down. Recently, I checked off the list, Mike Matheny, Willie McGee, and I had written down Jeff Supon because I hadn't talked to Soup in a long time. And lo and behold, last weekend, I had a missed call from Jeff Supon. I thought, isn't this weird? He wants to be on the show. He's heard about the show. And it, tur- it turns out it was an accident, but I said, this is the opening I needed to get Soup on the show. Jeff Supon, how are you, my man? I'm doing great. Doing great. Never dull. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I my old high school coach, when he retired, I said, how's it going? And he said, well, when you're retired, you're always tired. So it's uh, it's always busy. Uh, we, we have two little, uh, I don't know if they're little anymore, but a 13 and an 11-year-old. And uh, so we are uh, super busy with their lives. And um, you know, my wife and I probably over-volunteer a little bit, um, but uh, it's going great. Uh, a lot of fun. So Last I heard, you were with the Royals doing some role, right? Because Matheny had all these former Cardinals. There's Reggie Sanders. I saw him at an event. Uh, we know Cal Elder was there and Mabry. There were tons of former Cardinals in Kansas City. What was your role with the Are you still with the Royals? No, I'm actually currently not right now. Okay. So I, I went there in 2012 after I retired, um, and I served as the uh, rookie ball high A pitching coach for four years. Loved it, and um, uh, then I moved into a role of kind of like a rover, um, not a rover as far as a, a coordinator boss, but just roving throughout the the um each team and, and basically i was filling in when when pitching coaches would take um they were allowed to, to take a week off uh during the season so i would fill in for them and um so i did that for gosh i did that for about three years uh four years maybe and then this past year um they wanted to um start you know changing some departments and so uh um I had a talk with my boss, and I said, hey, whatever you guys need, I'm available. So um, I want to help the organization. It is a good organization. And, and um, you know, right now there's there's not a role for me, a uh, position that they want to fill. So uh, I've, this year is the first year since 2012 that I haven't actually worked for them. Did you like going around to the minors? I would, I would think if you've done a lot at the big league level like you have – it might be kind of fun just to show show up at a low A or wherever and talk to these guys that are so hungry to get to the big leagues. Hopefully, they're thirsty for knowledge. Did, did you enjoy that? I really did, and um, you know, it got to the point where you think, like, "Oh man, it's going to be it's easy. It's the minor leagues, and, and it's not. It's it's um, 
all these major league organizations. I mean, it's is this is uh, they put they invest a lot of money in their players, um, and it's a lot of of teaching. And you know, it was funny when I was in rookie ball. Um, I'd have these little you know talks before every 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 practice. You know, before the pitchers would start, and and uh, it just kind of became a thing and different things that I had learned throughout my career and. And you know, one thing I told them was, I said, "Listen, you're 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 going to make it to the big leagues." So, you know, I, I was honest. Sometimes a few of you are going to make it to the big leagues, you know. And what's going to happen is when you get, you know, your second or third year in the big leagues, somebody's going to tell you something, and you're going to say, "Man, I wish somebody had told me that." Okay, and I said, "I guarantee it's going to happen to you." And then I pause dramatically. And I say, but when the student is ready, the master will appear. You have probably heard these things your whole life, your whole minor league career, and then in the beginning of your major league career, but you weren't ready to hear it. And um, it's, it was always so funny when all these little things that I would say, little little nuggets that I would give them, when years later it would come back and they say, hey, Sue, you know, and it just made me feel good, right? It was like almost – it was be- – Sometimes better than a kid making it to the big leagues that you had coached. You know, just some, just one person hearing one thing that you said and it dawned on them that hey, that was true. You know, and uh, because like I said, I, I told them everything I gave, everything I give you, it's what I believe. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to give you anything I don't believe in. That's great. And then the light bulb goes off. Now, if you say wax on, wax off, they're like, wait a minute, is he reading just the screenplay? From Karate Kid? No, I'm kidding. Well, uh, you do have to steal a lot. You know, you do have to take a lot <laughs> you know, from other people. Like you know who says that he didn't listen enough is Adam Wainwright. He said when he was with the Braves, you know, they had all those great pitchers, and he was, you know, a young guy up and coming, but he said, I was stupid. I didn't listen enough. And I'm sure most players, pitching, pitching or position players, probably all say the same thing. Like, gosh, I was in A-ball in Beloit, and – you know, Ryan Braun came through for a day, and I didn't ask him anything or whatever. I guarantee that's just kind of common, right? You think kids just kind of think they know because if you're playing even at the minor league level, you've probably been really good your whole life. So it's probably hard to kind of open your brain, even though we see it now as obvious. I, I could see kids just not taking full advantage. I would say that's a large portion. I would say that's not everybody. Right. Um, I would say that. Um, Adam, that's good self-awareness that he has that. Obviously, the Adam that he is now realized the Adam when he was younger was that way. Um, and, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of players that are not that way and, and, and really tried to, um, to learn as much as they could because of different reasons. Like maybe Adam's fastball was so great and his curveball was, a, you know, a hammer. He's like, I don't need anything. But there's other people that are like, you know what? Uh, I don't have that confidence in these two pitches or three pitches. Like, I got to learn from these guys, right? So, um, you know, I, I actually do remember when I was young, um, I was 20 and I was playing uh, with Roger uh, Clemens and, and Clem. And I had talked to him many times uh, in the minor leagues uh, because my pitching coach, Al Nipper was, but you know, good friends with him. So he would, you know, kind of, you know, the veteran, the the 
the uh, all-star, giving me advice as a young kid throughout the minor league. So now I'm playing with him at 20 years old. I remember sitting next to him, and, I, and I'm sitting there say, saying to myself, what am I going to ask Roger Clemens? Like, what should I ask him? And I couldn't think of anything. Like, I didn't know. I didn't have enough knowledge to even know what to ask him, you know. And that's kind of what it is. But there's people that have self-awareness that they need to. A lot of times it happens amongst their peers, you know, and they start just talking. And they may be wrong, but they start talking the game and and, uh, learning from each other. And you try to create that as a coach. But a lot of times um, it has to happen naturally with the players. Jeff Supon, our guest on the Kilcoin Conversation. It all goes back to St. Louis for Jeff Supon. He doesn't even realize Al Nipper is from St. Louis, went to Hazelwood West High School. I believe. Maybe Hazelwood Central, I should know that. But Well aware, Al, well aware. Well aware. In fact, when you so when you signed with the Cardinals before the 04 season, did you talk to Al Nipper? Or what, did, what did you know? Because you'd been in the big leagues. You'd been with the Red Sox and Royals. And what did you know about the Cardinals when you signed here? Well, I mean, I knew just playing there. I mean, I, I, I knew I didn't really know much about the organization, um, um, you know, and, and uh, Nip, you know, he, he I don't think he really played there, so he didn't have that, but he lived there, right? So, But we never really talked about St. Louis. But I, I, I wanted to play there from, you know, um, probably my second year in – Kansas City. Not like I, I want to leave Kansas City. I just I wanted to have a chance to play uh, in St. Louis. And um, you know when I when I they inducted me in the Hall of Fame um, for the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame. You know you're not from here. I said I know, but I, I spent eight years of my career in Missouri. And um, I always said if I left California, I would live in St. Louis or, or Kansas City. I, I enjoyed it that much. And um, but obviously, I knew that it was a great organization that won a lot, you know. Well, and one of your St. Louis uh, attachments, of course, would be Grant's Farm. I remember you spent a lot of time I think before your kids were born, right? So you and Danny would just go and hang out. Is that was that accurate? <laughs> you know, I, I hang out is a, is a strong word. Uh, <laughs> love going there, and we have you know I'm the youngest of five kids, so I had a lot of nieces and nephews. They would come out to, to um, St. Louis, and it was like, all right, we're going to Grant's Farm, you know. And, and uh, you know, they used to have the tour where they would drive you up to the animals, and I don't know if they still do that, but I really enjoyed it. And there were so many little things um, uh, in St. Louis that, that were that way that we really enjoyed. Um, and um, it was a big part of my time. So anytime anyone would come in, boom, Grant's Farm, book it. I did an interview on the way with Kat to Grant Farm uh, one time, I recall. I might have been on that show. I just I just equate you and your St. Louis time, in addition to big moments with the Cardinals, to Grant's Farm. Did you tell me in, via text the other day you're in charge of the Pony League? Now, I didn't know if that was a joke or is you, you're running your kids' league. What did that mean? Well, so, yeah, so West Hills Pony Baseball. And um, so you do I, have a job. Of, so you do have a job. I, okay. Oh my gosh, do I have a job? And it's it, it may be chapter twelve if I ever <laughs> write a book. But um, yeah, so I actually grew up in, in the San Fernando Valley, and I uh, grew up off of Valley Circle and West Hills baseball is off of Valley Circle. Very great league. Uh, 
fun league. I had a lot of great memories there. And, you know, with, um, with my son starting, um, you know, a lot of people going to the travel and all this stuff, but I, I really enjoyed the, the league aspect of, of play. And, and um, I, I just was, I was just drawn to it. And so ultimately I'm like, how can I be a groundskeeper? And I said, I have to become president. And that's what I did. And in my opening day speech this year, um, I, I, I gave him an example. I said, let me just, I want to tell you, this is all run by volunteers. Nobody's paid to, to do this. And I, I, I want to give you the seven, and hopefully that math is right, but the seven most stressful times outside of life and death and all, and, and real, you know, stuff. I go, let me give you seven things that have been stressful in my life. My major league debut. July 17, 1995. My first playoff game at Dodger Stadium, okay, when I was with the Cardinals. My two game sevens, my two World Series, and being the pony president at West Hills Baseball in 2023. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> laughed. And, uh, but it is. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a labor of love, and, and uh, it's, it's a lot of hard work from volunteers. So I, I want to applaud every president or every board member <laughs> in a, any league across this great country that, uh, that volunteers their time because it is, uh, it is a lot of hard work. And, and my kids are, are, are great kids. You know, my daughter's uh, she's 13 now, and I just got a video from her uh, pitching coach, She's 13, hit 58 miles an hour, um, which is pretty hard from 43 feet. And uh, in baseball or softball? Is she softball? Softball. softball, softball. Yeah. She's okay. softball. Yeah, sorry. And uh, she she has my more stoic uh, pitching um, uh, persona, and my son is is a little bit more like Dana. He's a little more he wears it on his sleeve, very passionate. But he's he's 11 years old and. And they're getting ready for the championship against the Yankees. Ooh. So it's the Braves versus the Yankees 11U. It's on game cam. So if anybody wants to watch it, <laughs> we have video cameras and you, and you click on it, West Hills Baseball, you can watch it, watch the game. But, um, it's been a, it's been a blessing. And, uh, you know, you have to wear it. You know, parents are tough and, um, you know, you have to make tough decisions. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, the athlete in me, in retirement, didn't come out until I became the president. <laughs> what, all right, what's more stressful? A parent wants to talk to you about the league, or they get, or Larusa says, "Meet me in my office tomorrow." Which one is more stressful? Uh, the parent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the parent, one hundred percent. You know, it's funny is that I, I try to explain to people like when you're a player, like when I was a player, like I, I really, I mean, you know, players. You know, you're more selfish. I mean, because you have a job to do, and you have uh, you have to do it the best of your ability. And you have, you know, you're basically your 25 guys in your team. You're playing for them, and it's but it's you have control of what you do because it's just you, right? Um, when you look out on a baseball field, the starting pitcher rely is the is the only position that really relies on every single other position on the field. You know, and um, but in the S in in the end. You have the ball, you throw the pitch. Now, in in outside of that, like I don't have control of what this coach in in you know the Pinto division said to uh, a parent outside of the fence. Like I don't have control, but you have to make decisions on it, right? So people, obviously, when it comes to their children, you know you're gonna defend them and and 
you know, but the league, you know, has to make the best decisions possible, you know. And so, uh, like I said, um, although I didn't have too many meetings with Tony in his office, you know, um, but uh, I would definitely, the parents are, are, uh, are great. You know, but it's it's always challenging when you're talking about somebody's child. Well, and and you talk about stress levels. Of course, I just so you know, I never pitched in the NLCS or the World Series, just to clarify. But I've done, I've had pressure packed broadcast. Not comparing myself to you, but I'm saying I can go in front of the camera at the Super Bowl or the World Series, or hey, two minutes to air, and you're running onto the field. But I've never been more nervous this year than my than I was this year. My son's sixth grade basketball team. We were nine and zero. I was the assistant coach, and we were playing the 9-0 and team, and if we win, we're the champions. It's a Friday night. I spent the whole day thinking about the game, and it comes down. We're up like one. We've got to inbound it with 10 seconds. I said, they're going to foul. They're going to try and steal. I got my little clipboard out. Now, keep in mind, I'm the assistant head coach, not the head coach. And after, yeah. the, after the game, I said to the other dad, I said, I've never been that stressed in my life. He said, I hear you. He said, all day I thought about it. I said, yes. I said, isn't that crazy? And, you know, there's 50 people in the gym, but it was the biggest game of my life. It is, and it takes on a, it takes on a life of its own, and, and it's like, because <clears throat> even just as a parent, you, you, you're you watching the game, and, and you're just, you have no control. It's your, your child out there. And then you're coaching, and you're trying to coach the age, and then, but you're trying to win the game, and it's just a fine line. Like, you know, I noticed like a lot of poor coaching, and I know this isn't you and your head coach. Because let me tell you, in basketball, I'm always the assistant, just so you know. Um, <laughs> well, we do all the work. In, we don't get any of the glory. We do all the work. No, I know. I mean, I was the best. Dana coached the fifth grade basketball team this year at St. Mel, where my kids go to school, and uh, I was the assistant, and uh, I, I felt a lot of pressure. You know, because if uh, I said the wrong thing, it could. <laughs> but I, I don't know that much about basketball, but she does. But anyway, you know, go, you know, with the nerves, it's like you, you see people who coach, and they're coaching to the last time they played the game, right? So if you were a high school star, like you're coaching these six-year-olds, these five-year-olds, these nine-year-olds, like how you co- like how you were coached when you last played in high school. And that's not how you can do it, right. you know. And I, I've always, of all the teams I've coached uh, for my kids, you know, I always try to give them the one thing. I say, hey, is anybody nervous? Everybody raises their hand. Okay, what do we do when we're nervous? You know, and they always say, breathe, you know. And so, because um, I taught them that. And I said, what's the second most important thing we need to do when we're nervous? And they say, breathe, you know, and it's like, you know, because when you see them, like, I'll just go for baseball, for example. I got a kid, if, if he, when he's relaxed, he just plays catch on the mound, throws strikes. Then all of a sudden he's making things up and he's going up top, down low. And I go, what are you doing? He's like, well, you know, I saw, you know, on the game last night and he was doing this. I go, listen, what, what's the most important thing I asked you to do? said breathe i said what's the second thing breathe i said that's it just get up there repeat and and throw it over the plate and see what happens um but it is it is uh it's a fun nervous and you know i try not to get excited i i tried like my daughter hit a home run and she's like dad you didn't get excited i said Finley, just know in my heart i was so excited for you <laughs> but I, I on the field when i'm on a field i i just want to be 
you know, even keel. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just the way I've always been. Jeff Supon, our guest, the Kilcoin Conversation, former Cardinal three fantastic years, two thousand four through two thousand six. A lot of winning done by the Cardinals. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be wrong because I did this with Mike Matheny, and I said it seemed like you and Tony never had any problems. He said, "Huh, you serious?" And I said, "Okay." And he said he was on me like you know all the time. And then I said to Willie McGee, "There's no way Tony gave you a hard time." And he said, oh, man, Tony, do things like tell me to take the day off. And then the eighth inning, game's tied. He said, get a bat. Let's go. He said, so he always kept you on edge. How about for you and LaRusso? You mentioned you weren't in his office a lot. And you are kind of low-key. You're not going to cause trouble. You're not going to say anything in the paper. Like, Did you guys ever have run-ins? Uh, no, we never had a run-in. But there was times that um, because I was – friends with uh you know a player and and something came out of them in the media he would be like hey did you say anything i go I say anything i try not to say anything i mean i'd say nothing what do you think i was the player that said something <laughs> um and i mean really nothing there was the one time where um i think he kind of understood my humor at one point, you know, I say, hey, Skipper, how you doing today? And you know the same. Yeah, I'll let yeah, you know yeah, after yeah. the game. I'll let you know. So after a while, I'm like, hey, Skipper, how you doing right now? And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I'm good. <laughs> you know, and so uh, I didn't have, I, I, I really, I, I just didn't. I mean, not that I can recall. I mean, I, I did hear the stories. Roland told me a story that Will, that you just said about Willie, like he told me at the day off and then, He's he's in the game in the eighth, and and Tony did like to keep you on your toes, and so you know, I just was always on my toes, you know. <laughs> uh, you you actually I, are the only one who cracked the code because Willie talked about that same thing that we all went through. Tony, how you doing? Uh, asked me about eleven o'clock tonight, and I'm like, oh okay, got it, got it. It was always yeah. you're the only one who cracked that code. You even got him to to smile. You didn't talk the day before you pitched. Or I think two days before you pitched, you had a super secret code there that kept you at bay. Wasn't it two days before? Just one day, the day before I okay. pitched. Um, okay. But ironically, I think you remember this, but the day I pitched, if the media was in there, and I usually was in there with them, we could talk about anything other than the game. Okay. And I would. I would talk, and, you know, just it's nervous energy, and just, you know, sometimes I, I – talk too much but uh but once the interview goes on then i don't talk as much but um you know i i wanted to um stay focused and, and so that's how i did it so it wasn't like uh a thing where uh i was trying to be um tough guy no i just i knew like little comments would get in my head and i'm an overanalyzer and so i just wanted to avoid that and so the way i did it was Two days before, you, you know, you want to ask me about the game coming up, no problem. But the day before, I want to get my plan, I want to execute my plan, and I want to stay focused on my plan. And so that's kind of how I did it. Uh, we're going to come back, ask Jeff Supon about those big games pitching for the Cardinals. Back with Jeff Supon on the Kilcoin Conversation. Let's talk about 2004, the series with the Astros. First of all, you have the epic Game 6. I think that's, and I grew up going to games at the Old Bush Stadium. I think that's the only time I felt the building shake. I was there when Ozzy hit a famous home run against maybe your Dodgers when you were a kid, but I don't remember the building that electric. What are your recollections of Game 6, the Edmonds homer? Because you guys are facing elimination at that point. I can't remember. 
You don't remember? Were you there? <laughs> you were probably you were so locked in because it was the day before you were pitching. That's right. So, so basically, well, first I have to correct you. Like I, I, I mean, I really did not grow up a Dodger fan. I, I grew up okay. a Mike Schmidt fan, and that's what I, you know. So, okay. uh, but I do remember seeing that highlight um, when Ozzy hit that home run. Uh, game seven, the o- I mean, game six. The only thing I can remember was uh, Jimmy's home run. That's the only. That's the only thing. And if you didn't tell me it was fully game six, I wouldn't really fully remember when that was. I just remember the home run. Um, some things I learned uh, along the way was when you're throwing the next day, you can't get overly invested in that game because I did that the first time and cheering and getting all into every pitch, and, and the next day I wasn't pitching, but the next day I was exhausted from just the intensity of the games, you know. So I kind of, like, the day before I would just calm down. And then, you know, you don't know if you're going to pitch a lot of times, right, when you're throwing those clinching games or, like, you know, if you have to win to go here to go here. And um, it, uh, I do remember how loud it was and, and – that that year, so um, um, I don't know. Everywhere we played, it seemed like it was loud. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a great team. I mean, you won 105 games. You had Roland and Pools and Edmonds. I mean, everything was going the Cardinals' way. But if they don't win that series, they're not going to the World Series. So, Game 7, it's you against Roger Clemens. Do you think about that at all that day? Like, oh, my gosh, i got to beat Clemens? Or do you think i got to get out, Bagwell beat you on those guys? I never, I didn't think um, really of of facing Roger, um, but I, I I used to compartmentalize a lot, like different things, right? So, um, for example, like you know when I when I was on the Royals for those years, you know we lost a lot of games, <laughs> and so you know like when I would look at the lineups or who I was facing, I, you know I was you know, facing the number one or the ace, you know, like, I'm like, hey, you know what, I just have to face these hitters. And I did, you're right, I did take that approach, I would face hitters. But then going to the National League, which I love, I love the aspect of the strategy um, of facing a hitter, of getting the hit, and and that was a fun part of the game for me. I wish I would have had that. um, I'm thankful for every, the American League and the National League, but I wish, you know, I could have played most of my career in the National League. I really, really enjoyed that. Um, that strategy pitching around the eighth guy or pitching around this guy to get to this guy, um, which obviously now is no more. Um, but um, the Roger, if I can give you some some, some nuggets, right? Um, the game before, I think I faced him five times that year. I, I think he won three of them. I got a no decision, and maybe. Um, the last one, which was that game, I, I, I actually got the win. Um, but, you know, he's great. I mean, so I just got to try to keep it close, you know. And um, um, But I, I, I got I got in that bat, um, and I was so excited because I got to his split finger. <laughs> and, like, when a pitcher has to throw you a pitch that he, like, it's his out pitch, like, I, I, I was, it was, like, I was locked in, right? And I actually had a squeeze bunt in that game. And uh, I'm like, I just squeezed bunt in the in the in a in a game seven, off of Roger Clemens and got the run in, and uh, that was so exciting to me. But then I compartmentalized because I have to pitch, right? So 
that game. I gave. I seem like I gave up a homer in the first inning of every playoff game in that stretch, right? So Biggio hits the bomb, and I'm like, all right, it's, hey, here we go. <laughs> Same thing. And uh, and then just went to work and uh, pitch by pitch. Um, and and you know, Mike obviously uh, calls a great game. I thought you know we worked well together. Um, I had my own thoughts and opinions. Uh, on what to throw and so but it was it was seamless right it was, it was very good flow to uh to the pit selection and and the execution and and then um and then there was the catch right are we talking about this game well jimmy had the catch in that game right the game six he homered game seven the catch rolling yeah. homer, rolling homered off the rocket i mean just incredible memories amazing. yeah i mean that it, team it was incredible and it was funny so like now in the meeting before the game, you know, Carp and I and, and a few of the other stars were talking. And um, no offense to, um, oh my gosh, who hit the ball that Jimmy caught? Uh, was it not, not all, it was Osmus? Osmus? Yeah. Brad Osmus. I faced Osmus a lot when he was in the American League. And so Carp goes, man, just throw your slider down the way he's an out. You know, and I'm like, and, it, and it's true, but I never would say, like, it's an out. You know what I mean? Like I felt like, oh my gosh, it'll be a jinx, you know. And um, so I'm throwing, and I just throw this cement mixer slider. You know, it didn't do anything, and he <laughs> crushed it. And I'm just like, it was one of those where he hits it, and you just almost take a deep breath. Like, oh. and then all of a sudden, I turn around and I see it, Jimmy running. I see him running. I see him running, and he dives all the way out, makes a catch, and it was like. Oh my gosh, you know, and I, and again, I'm trying to be like super stoic. I didn't want to be like, Oh yeah. You know, you try to act like, yeah, that's supposed to happen. You know, like, you know, but I was like, I, I was blown away. And, um, uh, and then I think after that, then, then, uh, Roe hits the, hits the home run, the line drive off. It was just crazy. And it, you're right at that point. Um, I mean, it was loud the whole game, but it, it just got, it, it blew, you know, the doors off of any um, any stadium that's loud. I mean, it blew the doors. It was so loud, and uh, it was such an amazing event. And I and I sat there and I'm like, wow. I I, I mean, I, I pitched that game, you know. And that would for many players that would be enough. Like I had an epic game seven to get us to the World Series. I was facing Roger Clemens and I beat him. And then two years later, it's Game 7 at Shea Stadium, and that place is going bonkers because they want the Mets, of course, to go to the World Series, and you pitch that game. Uh, I think I think Flora's got the win, but you pitch great in that game. It says something about you, though, in that demeanor. You weren't the ace of the staff, but Tony and Dunk trusted you enough in those monster games, and maybe it's your your calm demeanor you've talked about. Do you think that is what allowed you to pitch so well in those big moments? You know, I, I it brings me back to a thought um, or, or a comment that uh, I can't remember. You know, I, I can't remember his name, but he was he was a coach and uh, never coached me. And he made this comment, and he said, "There's two types of players in this world: those who are humble and those who are about to be." And I'm, and it just hit me like hard, right? And so this game is so humbling 
And I have been so humble <laughs> by playing baseball, right? And, and and it was like, you know, I just started to really concentrate on how my mind thought, what and how how can I control my thoughts, right? Because everybody wants to be the guy that oh, I'm throwing a hundred, you know, or you know I'm hitting a home run and it's all aggression. Well, I had to. I'm like, look, if I go to that level, it's not the same stuff, right? If I throw 94. It's not the same as my 88 to 89. I have a better command and, and location. So I had to slow the game down a little bit, you know, mentally and physically and, and, and just execute, right? So um, that was my way. And I did ask, Don, I mean, uh, Tony one time. We were at an event. And I go, Tony, you know, because I, like, literally really did not have many conversations with him. Didn't mean I didn't have respect for him. It didn't mean he didn't have respect for me. It just it didn't happen. And that's okay, right? He was a skipper. And I'm, I'm a, I got a locker. I, you know, I was totally fine with that. And I, I did ask him one time. I go, Tony, I'm curious. You know, how did you like? How did you put me in game three and seven? You know what I mean? Like those. I mean, and and twice. You know, I'm just curious. And he goes, and and that's kind of basically what he said. He didn't really say much, but. Um, he was. He basically said, "Like soup, you know. I knew you could handle that that type of pressure." And I'm. And I was like. And I was like. It almost made me like. Wow. I mean, it really made me feel good because you know I was never like like you said. I was never the ace. You know, I could pitch in any spot in a rotation. You know, but I'm probably better as a three four guy. You know, um, maybe a five guy at some time. You know, like I, I I wasn't like trying to be like you know oh um, and. I really just trusted my teammates, and I tried to go out and trust my my catcher and and hit my spot, and and that was it, and let it go. And um, I was thankful that I was, you know, had a lot of rough games in my life. <laughs> I was thankful for it because it, when I was in that moment, I had nothing to lose. You know what I mean? I, I knew the the element of the game, you know. But once the game started. I was able to go into into a, a very uh, focused state. You know, I mean, there is there are games like when I pitched that first playoff game at Dodger Stadium, I had way I hadn't pitched in 14 days, right? And I, I would just have waves of nerves, like just walking around. And then, you know, I just basically went through my process and how I got ready. And then once I, I got up to the field, I still had those nerves. And then once I started playing catch, they started going back to normal, you know. And um, But, I mean, I, I can't it, – it was really um, it was really magical. And it was a way that when I would watch the playoffs, I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys are so smart. You know, look at the commentators saying what they're thinking about and what they're trying to do. And then when I pitched in the playoff game, when I pitched in the – Game seven, I'm like, this is like every other game I've ever pitched in. I've prepared my whole life for this. This is normal. You, you know, you tell yourself games. to breathe. Breathe. And I did, 100%. <laughs> you know, I journaled. I journaled um, every game I pitched in from 2003 on. And um, I basically got to the point where I started taking all my games uh good or bad, and I highlighted the good things that I did. Uh, now, I had a lot of highlights when I was in St. Louis, but <laughs> but 
the one common thing, one of the common things was I controlled my breathing. Another common thing I had was I created an edge or I had an edge. So if I didn't have something like, uh, if I was, I was facing you, I'm like, Martin, look how he looks. And this is how I'm doing it in my head. And I was creating an edge against you, you know, because we were best friends, you know, growing up or whatever, you know. And I'm like, he's looking at, he's looking at me funny. This guy, he's so, you know, and you just create this in your head. So I always had an edge. You know what Carp would say about me? He's an out. <laughs> he's an out. <laughs> yeah, just throw that slider off the plate. One he's look at out. me. He's an out. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful, right? And so, but Carp had his way. Carp was more. Oh yeah, he was know, pissed off all the time. <laughs> he what? He was pissed off all the time. It worked for him, right? And that and that really wasn't his personality off the field. Mm. You know what I mean? He was more of a quiet guy, and uh, but on the field, he was you know, like you know. A, a, a tie, I don't know what type of animal, but he just was like, wah, you know, and that was his way. And so, um, but I lost my train of thought there. Oh, I'm sorry. I went on. A I probably here, interrupted but... you. No, no, this is, this is awesome. People love this. And when they think of Jeff Supon, you can't help but think game seven, beating the Astros 2004, beating the Mets on the road 2007, and then ultimately a world series champion. But most importantly now he is not the commissioner, but he's the president of the Pony League out there, the West Hills. West Hills, yeah. West Hills. So we will maybe end of the season, we'll have you on for a short visit just to give us an update if you got fired, if they had a recall by the parents. Uh, <laughs> I, would, I would love to know how it goes. Just remember to breathe when the umps are mad and the parents are mad. Uh, hey, this is so much fun. I know people in St. Louis still love hearing your name and hearing your voice and always introspect, introspective and I kind of always got your humor. You and Roland kind of had similar humor. It's a little dry, right? And, and uh, I'll tell you what, I was so excited for him, and, and I reached out to him, and I said, hey, man, you're a great teammate, a great player that I I, I have the utmost respect for. And so, you know, he doesn't – you call him, and he, and he doesn't really call you back. You text him, and he may text you back. You know, he's just – he's that guy, right? He's on his tractor mowing his lawn. But um, – you know, I was so happy for him, and uh, I actually am going to take my son out there um, for the first time, his first experience in Cooperstown when he gets inducted. So, um, but yeah, bro, he's—I think he's a funny guy. Yeah, very funny. But, uh, and I—I I always tell myself I, I get on a tangent as well. But he would be—he would be in the locker room if it was a day game. Maybe it's one of those getaway games. And Tony would roll out a lineup with a lot of the, let's just say, lesser names. And Roland would come up, the media, we're sitting there scribbling the lineup down. And Roland would walk over and he'd look and he's like, really? Wow, he's hitting third? Okay. Oh, wow. And then he said, Gary Bennett's catching. And he was friends with Bennett. And Bennett would walk by and goes, Big Benny, I see you're playing today. And then he would mutter something to all of us. Are we even trying to win? And it was like, <laughs> as only he, and I think he was kind of pissed, but he was actually funny in the way he said it. Yeah, he is funny. And you know, I pitched a lot of those games. Oh, I'm sorry. That might have been one of your games. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. shoot. I just indicted are we you. Trying to win? Oh, are we, are we even trying? I think he yelled, Are we even trying to win? And of course, Edmund is like, I don't want to play. Can I get out? <laughs> Let me sit. I'll get on the charter well, you know, now. Tony, Tony's the only manager that, like, 
that I played for of the eight or nine, what I played for, uh, he would leave blanks in the lineup. <laughs> you know? And then the funny thing is when you're on the other side, you would get a lineup, and then you get a, the change lineup 15 minutes before the game. Why was he doing that? Because he was seeing if he was pissed at somebody or if he wanted to... Just well, I think it was like he was going to give, um, hey, you know, I just want to see how you feel today, you know, and like if 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 uh, Jimmy wasn't, you know, his foot, let's say his foot was bothering him or whatever, you know, hey, you know, ah, you know, I, I can play. Then he'd write his name in. I, you know, I, I think I need another day. Then he put Luna's name in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, <laughs> so, or whatever, you know, and, uh, yeah, but it was, uh, it was funny. The, you know, baseball is, is uh, it's a funny game. It's got a lot of old school humor. And uh, what I learned when I retired was that locker room hum- humor doesn't really translate in the real world. <laughs> and so I had to like relearn, you know, <laughs> how, what I could joke about or what I can. And, and, you know, just dropping, you know, one of my favorite lines was like uncle, you know, and, you know, people are like, what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, uncle, it's like, you know, like uncle. And there's a, like a generation that has no idea what that mer- word means, but you know. And then I'm like, where does that come from? And I'm like, I remember when my older brother used to put me in a headlock and give me a noogie on my head, and he say, <laughs> "Uncle, say, Uncle," you know. It's like I'm giving up, Uncle. You know, and uh, it was funny. Yeah, we have to alter our our lingo, our language. My wife will. Say, I like to be sarcastic, and I've done a number of roast events, and she will say to me sometimes. Not everyone wants to be roasted. I'm like, oh, okay, that's fair. I thought it was funny, but you're right. Maybe they didn't want to get roasted at that moment. Right. No, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how you do those events. I mean, what? I mean, I, I guess it's comedy, right? But, I mean, at some point, somebody's going to take something personal, right? right. Well, I, my favorite part of the roast are when a guy will get up there and say just terrible things about his buddy or his colleague or whatever, and then he'll switch. But really, Bill, you're a great guy. You're a great father. I'm like, oh, no, which is it? Come on. You just said all these terrible right. things. Can't can't have it both ways. But... Oh, yeah. Well, hey, Soup, so much fun. Uh, have fun in Cooperstown, and just great to hear your voice and tell some fun stories. Absolutely. And uh, as always, you're a legend. Well, hopefully I didn't oversell it early on because Soup is one of the more interesting people to talk to. Very uh, introspective, but also humorous and a very... Not quite Stephen Wright, but a very dry delivery and uh, just a fun guy to talk to. Catching up with a Cardinal player who's not a Cardinal Hall of Famer, but who's in the middle of some huge moments during a stretch where the Cardinals were, think about that, especially now where fans are frustrated, where the team has been the last handful of years, maybe the 10th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th best team in baseball. Now this year, way below that mark, but for a stretch there, they were about the best or second or third best for every year. Who's the best team in baseball? Cardinals were the answer uh, a number of those years. So Soup was the guest. We appreciate it. Thanks for checking us out in the Pasta House studios. Encourage you to stop by and see them. Every location is unique. This is not a cookie-cutter operation. Each one you walk into has a beautiful, different layout. Games are always on TV. It's fun for the whole family. Everything's made fresh daily, and you can tell. You start with the bread, and then you're like, whoa, don't fill up on the bread. Then you get their famous salad. All the food's great at your neighborhood pasta house. Marita Villa Senior Living, again, for your parents, grandparents, aunt and uncle, if they're thinking about a retirement place, check it out. Start by just driving by. You'll know how, you can tell just by driving by how beautiful the whole 
campus is, and that's really what it is, a giant campus. Even if you're in the villa estate, you're living on your own, but you still have access to all of their great amenities. They always have events going on, whether it's music or trivia. They've got a beautiful clubhouse where everyone can meet and hang out. MarieDeVilla.com is where you can take a virtual tour. Triad Bank, they really are the neighborhood-friendly bank. If your bank's giving you the runaround, they're kind of rude, you're tired of that, check them out at triadbanking.com or stop in and see the friendly staff. really does make a difference. I remember I switched my mom over to Triad Bank, and she'd go into the lobby, and she said, well, they offered me coffee, and I got to sit there and visit for a little bit. <laughs> Not that they want you just hanging out all day, and my mom didn't. But the point is, it's the neighborhood-friendly bank. Check it out for yourself, Triad Bank. And also appliance discounters with the best appliances, biggest names, lowest prices, in addition to having a great service team. My guy Sean is the best in the business. He can fix it all, and we have been through a lot. Not because the appliances were the issue, it's the wear and tear at the Kilcoin household. But Sean gets us fixed up quickly. Instead of calling an 800 number and waiting weeks and months for a service team, call the folks at Appliance Discounters. Thanks for checking out the Kill Coin Conversation. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and of course, at scoopwithdannymack.com. If you haven't checked out my conversations with Dan, it's called Great Talk. It comes out every Monday. Find that on scoopwithdannymack.com as well. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.